Country music. I love country music. Country music. Country music. The future of country music's looking good. I love it. Country confidential. Country songstress Kimberly Perry has had a little bit of time to bloom. Since her rise to fame with the band Perry in the early 2010s, the Mississippi native has loved, lost, and learned. All of that life lived has led to her powerhouse new EP, perfectly titled Bloom. Not afraid to face real-life topics head-on, the mama-to-be is ready to share her story and connect with a different generation of country music fan. Get ready to do a deep dive into the idyllic new EP from Kimberly Perry. Country Confidential Well, I want to kick it off. I'm going to throw it way back and I'm not going to show you my feet, but my first ever tattoo was actually a band Perry tattoo. Um, I have the word pioneer on my foot. I love it. So I just was like, I have to tell you that. So kind of chat with me about, I mean, closing that chapter um, and kind of where you find yourself now before we do a little bit of a deep dive. Well, first of all, the first two albums that we got to put out in country music, as the band Perry were just, I mean, childhood dream come true. Um, the first show that we ever played as a collective, I was 15 years old, Reed was 10 and Neil was eight. So, I mean, we worked our entire childhood towards getting to release those two projects um, into country music. And I will say that I'm glad the Pioneer is your tattoo because I love both of our records. But there were so many deep cuts on Pioneer that were like really, really important to me. Um, I mean, the song Pioneer, but also I really, really loved Back to Me Without You and Mother Like Mine. So it was really cool. I feel like between our first two projects, our songwriting and just our perspective and how we wanted to say things really grew a lot between those two projects. And um, I feel like what came on the heels of that was this interesting combination of like, um, it felt like a lot of people in our orbit because we had more to lose at that point because we had gotten to build so much got a lot more opinionated about everything that we were doing. And I think that that really creatively became confusing for us because we wanted people to be, you know, really happy with our work, but we were also really growing in our identity as a band and just trying to put all the pieces together. Um, So we ended up spending a couple of years in LA and learned the craft of writing from that perspective, which was cool. Um, and did that for quite a while, but it, it wasn't the same thing as being home in Tennessee and being at home in country music. So at the end of like, I would say 2019, we were on the West coast and I was just like, guys, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> like I'm really yeah. ready yeah. to go and reconnect with my creative core. You know, it's, it's cool to learn a different side of a songwriting craft, but it's also important to know exactly who you are at your core as a singer songwriter. And so late 2019 is really when I began to re return to East Tennessee. Of course, COVID happened. So that was a lot of time to be on the front porch with the acoustic guitar and really recenter as a, as a country singer songwriter. I love it. Well, we have been listening to the new EP, but before we deep dive into it, I have to tell you that your CMA Fest fashion was the best. <laughs> your stylist or I don't know if you did it yourself kind of talk about like were you worried at all like 
pregnant women are beautiful and you looked wonderful, but I mean, were you struggling at all? Just getting around in that heat with all those outfits. Yeah. <laughs> that was the reason I wanted to, we just were like, let's let the baby bump show and all of her glory because it is so hot. Um, you know, I was definitely when the opportunity to play came in, it was like, okay, I'm going to be seven months pregnant. It's going to be noon at CMA Fest in Nashville. We all know what that heat index is going to look like. Um, so I definitely had help. Tiffany Gifford is my stylist and, um, we had the top made and then the jeans I actually had pre-pregnancy, but I was like, I love the shape of these jeans. We're going to have to morph them into something that I can, you know, put on my body. So we like added all this fabric and only got to button three buttons. Um, I was nervous for a second because I was just like, people sometimes are very opinionated about pregnant bellies showing, but I was like, if Rihanna did it at the Super Bowl, we can do it at the CMAs. That was like how I justified it. And, um, and I really loved the look, you know? I I know all of your looks were so great. My mom and I were just oogling over your fashion choices. And I think my favorite might've been the hat and the black floral dress. I think for me, and that was what your Spotify house outfit. I think for me, that was just like the pinnacle of like pregnant chic. I'm like, this woman is an icon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was a popular Vaughn dress. And it was really like airy. Like it was easy to wear yeah. and to breathe because figuring out how to be, I, I really underestimated being pregnant and singing at the same time. I did not even know that was going to be like hard to figure out. And um, that took me a couple of months to be honest, to go like, okay, I have to breathe here. It's more frequent than I typically would in this song. Um, And then of course, choosing the right dress. So that was for (laughs) sure the right one for that moment. I love it. So we want to do a little bit of a deep dive into Bloom. I'm obsessed with it, but it's so funny. My mom and I are actually here in Louisville to see Stevie Nicks. And it kind of reminded me, speaking of Fleetwood Mac, like rumors, like one word, like make a statement kind of album. So did that cross your mind at all with Bloom? Did you kind of just want to make a statement with like one word? Yeah, because I feel like what, you know, like Pioneer and even in those moments, like people can define their story with one word. And if someone to interpret Bloom as, you know, paralleling with where they are in their life and feeling like their own life is blossoming, great. For me, um, it's a, it's a title that really, sort of makes me think about the process of blooming and how to get there as much as it is the final product and um, not to like beat up the metaphor too hard, but it's like, it's a pretty violent process in mother nature to like get a flower to, to shine in all of its glory. It's like, you know, got to break out of the seed, bust out of the ground to grow tall enough for anybody to be able to see you. And for me, that's really the human experience is like, especially with where I was coming off of a, a rock rocky career, I call it like a roller coaster of a career. And also as a woman, there were lots of like highs and lows in the past handful of years. It's just figuring out who I was and what I wanted my life to be. And so there were moments I felt really kind of buried underground, <laughs> um, but it was like, no, I'm just planted. And now we have to figure out how to get above ground, stand on our own too, and, and shine, if you will. No, I love it. What, and I love that you uh, revisited If I Die Young. I've listened to part two maybe as many times as I did when it first came out my freshman year of college. But what scared you the most about kind of revisiting that song and revisiting that kind of part of your life and your career? 
I think the two things that I had in mind on the day that we wrote it, and I did bring in um, Nicole Gallion and Jimmy Robbins for this co-write. I had written the first version by myself and I, I really wanted some accountability to like make sure that A, I didn't overthink the lyric, but also just some folks who could help me make sure that we kept it between the lines when it came to not robbing anybody of their original experience with the first version. So that was a lot of conversation that we had. It was like, how do you not like, I love the line, I'm changing my tune because there are different ways that I feel now about certain elements that I had no capacity over a decade ago, younger to understand like with the fullness of life. And here I will be a decade later with an even different perspective. But I didn't want to like not validate the feelings or the lyric of the first version. So I think that was probably the thing I was the most um, careful with, with part two. I love it. So you just kind of touched on writing with Nicole Galleon, but you also got to write with someone I love, Parker Welling. So talk to me about being in <laughs> the room with just kind of powerhouse women and really revisiting, um, I guess, that point of view and that perspective that really only women can bring to certain parts of country music. You know, it's really funny because, yes, the two kind of core writer groups, it was Jimmy and Nicole and then Parker and Casey Brown. And if you look at those rooms, those women are very similar to each other. Like they kind of are like have a masculine energy that I kind of feel like I have. But then the male producers in those rooms are really tapped into their feminine side. So it was like this really interesting thing that I felt like I, after, you know, exploring a lot of different co-writes and enjoying them, I really always aligned with those two rooms. And I think that they really allowed an environment for vulnerability. So it was like, we could come in and talk about the day and everything that was going on, but then they have the skill to like, make that a really great country, right? You know, and that's really, to me, like the nexus is when you're hitting, oh, this is my real life. And mean supreme vulnerability but like other people want to sing along to it you know yeah no I love it was there a song on the new EP that almost didn't make it or maybe you know I mean you really had to come back to a lot was there a song like that on there that was a little more difficult to get out than the rest I would say um the two most complex songs on there for me so if I had a young part two was only written 48 hours before we went into with the band. So I definitely, from the moment of like having the idea to actually writing it, I procrastinated because I was just like, it feels intimidating. But I knew we needed to at least attempt it for the sessions. So that one almost didn't make the cut just because the timeline. And for me, um, which is funny because it has definitely become one of the fan favorites on the EP, Burn the House Down was such a different melody for me to sing, like I hadn't really written something like that. So there was a, it took me to go, I mean, I wrote this, but does it feel a hundred percent like me? So that one took me a minute to wrap my head around, but everybody that I trust from Nicole and Jimmy to Ben Vaughn, who's my publisher as well here, we're like, Kimberly, record that song, <laughs> you know? And, um, and the band really brought it to life in the studio for sure. I love I love it. That was one of my favorites, but one of our other favorites, and especially my mom's favorite, who is sitting right here, like trying not to fangirl, is Ghost. <laughs> so I feel oh, I like for us, you know what I mean? My mom has been with me through my country music journey and loving it to now, you know, being in the industry. And I think we were just able to really kind of dissect that song. Where do you find yourself most in Ghost? Because for me, I felt I was trying to feel where you were at in that song, you know, when you were writing it. So kind of what pieces of that song do you feel the most connected with? 
I feel like it really resonated with me when I saw an actual greeting card that said till death do us part is for quitters. And I just thought that that was like the most beautiful sentiment of love. It had these like two skeletons on the front of it. This coming from the girl, you know, who also cut better dig too. Um, <laughs> there's something about, uh, we'll call it a Halloween love song that I'm a real sucker for. Um, yeah, yeah. So to it was interesting to go like let's repurpose like traditional vows like I won't die if the money runs dry so you know for richer for poorer for better for worse let's rewrite that in the verses and then have this sort of not just love of the lifetime but love of the after lifetime sentiment in the chorus and um it was actually the first song that I wrote for Bloom and I knew like I was writing a solo project on the day that we wrote that song it really defined that for me I love that. So you mentioned that you went into writing for Bloom. Did you know that you kind of wanted to make this comeback with a definitive kind of almost, I wouldn't call Bloom a concept album, but I definitely think every song on the album talks about growth or you mean some kind yeah. of redemption, but were, did you know that you were writing for um, Bloom or did you already kind of maybe have a couple songs to choose from just, you mean, from your time taking a break from, you mean, the band Perry? No, the first write was Ghost, and that was last February. So everything that I wrote from February 22 to late August when we cut um, these first five was what made the project. So it was the first time that I had had the luxury of living something in real time, immediately reacting to it by writing a song, and then getting to put it out in a pretty quick time period. Because, you know, back in the day, back in the day before streaming was yeah. as massive is it was like you would write a song and maybe you cut it nine months later maybe it's a year later and it was nice to have the luxury of um immediate grat I'm an immediate gratification kind of girl so Me you know you. <laughs> <laughs> so how was it writing for this new project and not having to think about having men sing on it as well and it was just you like love your brothers very talented totally. but was it how was it just being to think about your voice and your talents and your story and not really having to think about uh, a male register. <laughs> you know, and it's the register, but it's also just like the language that you can use. I mean, yeah. I remember when your life came out, we I had this big conversation, like, can we say this? Cause it says, I just want to be the only girl you love all your life. You guys are singing harmony. Do you feel comfortable with that? Does yeah. this make sense? You know, in the, in the voice of our band and it was just an interesting and, and luxurious thing to not necessarily have to edit any lyric for the sake of, you know, gender specific, um, or I guess being gender neutral since there were boys and a, and a gal in the band. Um, so I feel like for me, that just made one element that I don't like to always have to think about one edit point, just go away, you know? So it was like one less filter almost. I love that. So talk to me about the pressures of re-entering this space. I feel like probably for you, country music has changed tenfold since what, 2011? You know, I mean, that's, I think that's when yeah. I was in college. That's when, you know I mean? I was listening to you guys nonstop in the Tri-Delta house. Um, talk to me about those pressures. Oh, say that again. Tri-Delta, <laughs> yes. Oh, are um, you Tri-Delta too? Bro, I did not go to college. I oh, was okay. already making music, but I'm pretty sure- 
I always get confused between two, but I think my mom was a Tridel. She went to Mississippi State. Back love in the day. it. Um, I love it. But yeah, talk to me about those pressures. I mean, you even just mentioned streaming. You know what I mean? That has changed the genre and helped it really surge. So talk to me about some of those pressures that you felt kind of stepping back into this space. For me, I mean, one of the big pressures was just how are we reconnecting dots? Like it's been a minute, you know, since I've been here. And I do think my voice is recognizable, but there's a whole new generation of listeners. So how do we pull all these pieces together? Um, that's one thing, you know, as in real time that we're continuing to grow and really just get out and tell my story. So thank you for the opportunity to do that. Um, I think also just country is a much more diverse place, which feels really exciting to me. Everybody from, you know, the tone of a guy's voice like Morgan Wallen to a Megan Maroney to Warren Treaty um, to Jelly Roll. Like there's just a lot happening, which feels really exciting. Um, so on that side of things, it feels like a more broad spectrum to be able to not have to filter the creative as much if, if you're like me and kind of like the left of center bit of creative. Um, but then also to just get your numbers on streaming, like your, the measuring rods are different. You know, on the first two projects, it's like, if you can just get it up the chart at radio and get on TV for an award show, you will sell tickets to your show. And now it's like, yeah, but let's also have like compelling content on TikTok and let's make sure we go viral. And, you know, then we have these numbers and we don't just want like the single numbers to be healthy. We want all the song numbers to be healthy. So I think just really surrounding myself with um, a team of people who get like OG music business that I'm used to, but also are bringing in this fresh perspective of like, here's how it's done. And here are these relationships that you need in your life to, uh, to build the whole thing. I love that. For me, it is so exciting for you specifically to step back in the country music space. When you first came out, I would very consider, would very much consider myself a naive 18 year old girl um, in college. And now you are coming back at a point in my life where I um, am doing 30 year old woman stuff and having you in both parts of my life has been wonderful. So talk to me about kind of re-entering this space as a woman where country music, at least from a fan's perspective, is craving mature female yeah. perspective versus a teeny bopper we lock eyes across the bar. I mean, don't get me wrong. Those songs have a time and place, but I feel like bloom is a very mature approach to females in country. Absolutely. And I think we have the most powerhouse females of my generation in country music, like the last 10 to 15, 20 years now, which is so exciting. The combination of those generations are what's happening. Like, you know, we did this um, bloom party at Nicole's house and it was really a lot of the younger artists were there. And I was like, this is so amazing that we have these tiers of almost like, not that we're in different generations, but in different decades of country music, um, which feels exciting. But it it also is such a beautiful time to be able to, to bring some wisdom to that just as a woman. I mean, the last time I was here, I felt way more like a daughter and a sister now I've added wife and almost mama to, to my, my commas. Um, yeah. And it's just cool to be able to be in this format and be in country music for every season. That's what we love about Dolly. That's what we love about Loretta. And it's truly, you know, a generational um, genre that you can 
bring different decades of perspective too. So I'm, I, I'm grateful to be home and be back. For yes, sure. I know. And I'm so, so excited you are. So, but I think my favorite part, obviously I'm a sucker for good music, but the visuals that you put to this entire project are stunning. And talk to me kind of about that vision and when that kind of idea came up to have these visuals match the EP. Um, well, we pulled them together very quickly. Okay. Well, <laughs> they looked great. Yeah. <laughs> releasing in a month. We need, you know, visual concepts for every song. Um, Nicole was super involved in that. I loved her project, Firstborn, um, that she released as a, as a songwriter. I thought that every song having its own visual universe felt really special. Um, so we used some teams um, that she had worked with for, for Firstborn, the photographer, the videographer, and then we all went for two days to this house out in Pulaski, Tennessee, which oh, is about an hour south. Mm-hmm. And it's actually Nathan Chapman and Stephanie Chapman. Nathan produced and wrote all the early Taylor stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie's an amazing songwriter in town too. It was like their house that they were about to renovate. And they were like, we need somebody to shoot something in here. There's such a vibe. It's called Handsome Hill Farm. And so we just went for two days in the early spring and got everything. And um, it was just such a cool process to just see sort of the Southern Gothic romanticism match the sound of this project. And that's really when it came to life for me in full. I love it. So I was reading and listening to some of your other interviews and you said that Bloom was a redemption story. Can you tell me why you feel that way? I think the fact that it's even out feels redemptive. Um, You know, there was so much music that I feel like got put on the shelf in in the band Perry's career, Um, sometimes by us, but most times by the process of the business of music. And that felt, and in retrospect, feels really disappointing to me because there's a lot that we wanted um, people to hear. So for me to even get to really release this on my terms and with the great team that we built around it feels like redemption because there were a lot of odds stacked not in our favor with that, you know? Um, so that feels really amazing. But also just the story of getting to this place, I feel like I'm arriving in my life, living in Nashville, being married, having a baby on the way, all things that I've dreamt about equally to, to a career in country music, to see those come to fruition after so many rocky years of wondering when it was going to land yeah. um, feels like a beautiful story. And um, I think that tone is definitely in, in bloom. I love it. So are we getting a continuation of this story? You are about to step into an, a completely new realm of life. I think your baby, what you got, what, a couple of weeks ago, maybe six weeks or so. We have eight weeks as of Saturday. So <laughs> I know I just finished acupuncture because oh, good for you, girl. All these things we're going to keep all of it going in the right direction. Um, I have a feeling he might come early, but yeah, okay. we are about to step into a brand new season for sure. Yeah. Um, but I'm ready in real time. So I actually head into the studio later this week to record some more songs. We're going to keep music coming out over the fall and winter. Um, and then touring 2024. Oh my gosh. Well, you will see me in front row. I'll try not to be weird and like stick my foot up in the air for you to see the tattoo. But to wrap things up here, what would you say the goal of this project was for you, for you personally? And then, you know, just for the country music community. For me personally, um, to rebuild my 
my voice in this format and to go and like um, make my bed and turn the light on in my bedroom in the house of country music. You know, it's like, I feel like I belong here. I, I believe that I have a place here. So to to make that re-entry and to um, see familiar faces again for the first time, but also go like, hey, to all the new kids yeah. in this format, both artists, but fans, like, hi, this is me. This is who um, I, I am at my core. And let me introduce myself. That's my goal. Um, for the fans, it's really about um, getting them music. Like they've been really, really patient and waiting on new music for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so it feels really great to be able to, to deliver that. And I just can't wait to sing them together live. Like when, yeah. when that element comes to full fruition, it's just going to be like oh, such a full circle moment. I can't yeah. wait. I love it. Well, you to wrap things up here, you are truly a pioneer. So thank you so much and good luck with everything. And hopefully you get everything on your registry and battle those cravings. So <laughs> yes, yeah, so good to see you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. My name is Bobby Dixon, and I am the founder of Backstage Bobby, a country music news outlet that highlights Chicago's country music scene. Follow me on Instagram at Backstage Bobby and be sure to subscribe to the Country Confidential podcast to hear more insider info directly from all of your favorite country music artists. Country Confidential. The All Country News Country Confidential podcast is produced by Horseshoe Media. You can submit your artist, organization, or event to us at allcountrynews.com for a chance to be featured. If you loved this episode, please rate and review wherever you're listening. And a huge shout out to our friends Restless Road for recording our incredible theme music for this podcast. 